0: Good morning, 9.30, good to see you all here today. Uh, I don't know, like many of you, I love going to live sporting events. Uh, There's just something about being in that atmosphere that is so much fun. It doesn't matter what the event is. It can be a football game, although some IU games can be a little tricky, a little tough. There's still a lot of fun to be in, and uh, we'll cheer them on. Uh, I love going to basketball games, baseball games. Right now, um, our family, maybe like your family, we're spending a lot of time uh, out at Smithville Diamonds uh, for softball. Softball. That's just kind of our life right now, but I love being out there. Just anything uh, about live sporting events. It's just the, the atmosphere. It's so much fun. And I've and I found that at Live events like that, there is a certain liturgy that they follow, much like church services have a liturgy. You know, you come in here and we sing some songs every Sunday. We respond uh, by giving and taking communion. Uh, Someone's going to stand up and, and teach a message from Scripture. That's kind of the liturgy that we follow at Sherwood Oaks. Uh, even live events have their own liturgy to them there is music that everyone knows and recognizes and sometimes sings along to and responds to uh, for instance whenever you're at a game and you hear that song charge. charge there we go the nine thirty service is a little bit more awake than the eight o'clock service thank you Thank you for responding. Uh, I remember the first time I went to an IU basketball game at Assembly Hall. It was a beautiful experience. And and right as the game was getting ready to to tip off, uh, they started to play in the IU fight song. This is the first time that I had been in that environment. And immediately people like just on command stood up and they knew when to start clapping. They knew when to stop clapping. They knew when to clap faster. And then they knew when to do the GO-IU, you know, that, uh, that, that whole symbol. Uh, there's just a liturgy to, to live sporting events. Uh, I, I love that there are giveaways and I look forward to those uh, during, you know, kind of timeouts. Uh, and so in, in live sporting events, oftentimes they will drop gift cards from the rafters and you just watch as they fall <laughs> on these blessed people who are clearly highly favored by God to receive Chick-fil-A gift cards. (laughs) Those actually aren't Chick-fil-A gift cards. They're Starbucks gift cards. So, uh, but that's like the the close next best thing. I I love when there are t-shirt cannons and they come out and they fire those into the crowd and we don't have one of those. Um, (laughs) Most games even have uh, some games within the game. And my favorite is when they put up on the screen that, that cup game, right, where they hide the ping pong ball underneath the cup and it moves all around and you have to track it with your eyes and, and then guess which, you know, which position it's in. We decided to put together our own version of uh, that game. And so play along, see if you can follow it. The answer is boom there you go way to go uh, I think Quentin was one of our parachute droppers Quentin if you're up there love you bud uh, he's preaching next Sunday and he warned me um, that he doesn't uh, yeah he gets even so uh, we'll see what, what goes there so sporting events they have their own liturgy they have music they have games they have giveaways uh, sporting events even have their own scripture do you know do you know what it is John three sixteen. right it pops up in, in places uh, on signs that people hold up at games, on uh, Tim Tebow's eye black, you know, in the 2009 National Championship game, he wore that on there. And, and in fact, that inspired so many people to look at that and be like, what is John 3, 16? That 90 million people Googled that verse that night and read the greatest news of, of all time. In fact, the very first time that I was kind of became familiar with John 3.16, wasn't at church, it wasn't in a Bible study, it wasn't at Bible college. The very first time that I read John 3.16 was in my house, middle school, maybe early high school, and I was watching a football game with a buddy. And someone in the end zone was holding one of those signs, John 3.16. And I didn't grow up in the church, I didn't know scripture, and so I looked at that, and I'm like, John 3, colon 16. What in the world is that? And my friend that was with me said, I think that's a Bible verse. And so we went, and we rummaged through, and we found a Bible and kind of dusted it off. And, and I read John three sixteen for the very first time. And so what is the big deal about this verse? Well, if you know, you know. But if you don't know, then you're in the right place this morning. And uh, we're glad that you are here. Today, John 3.16 is our core verse that we're going to be looking at this morning and that, uh, that if you're following along, you'll read about and, and discuss in your life groups this week. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you'd like to use, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I heard in a podcast recently that the human brain is incapable of imagining a face that it's never seen before. Like, we, we can't create and come up and think about a face that we've never actually um, seen before. And it's one of the reasons why I appreciate so much kind of artistic expressions of Scripture. Uh, it, it helps us visualize in our mind's eye some of the things that, that we read. And, and I don't know that, that there's a better artistic expression of Scripture than in the the show, The Chosen. Uh, If you have not watched The Chosen yet, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is absolutely fantastic. You can download the app for free and you can watch the episodes. Um, If you're an Amazon Prime member, uh, Prime Video, they're streaming um, all of the episodes for for free. You can hop on and and watch it. And And I love the depiction of the account that we're looking at today, where Jesus and Nicodemus meet under the cloak of darkness in John chapter 3. And in this scene, as it, as it plays behind me, you have this evening encounter with Jesus and this religious leader named Nicodemus. And we gather from the clues in Scripture that, that Nicodemus came to Jesus very curious about him. He wanted to learn more about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And so these two connected, again, in darkness because it would have been kind of disadvantageous for Nicodemus to meet with Jesus in the light of day. And so they talked about being born again into the kingdom of God. They talked about the ways that the spirit moves and works and all that he does. They they talked about how to find eternal life. And at the end of their time together, we come to our core verse for this week. Some of the most beautiful words ever recorded, John three sixteen. And they say this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I think the reason why this verse is loved by so many, why it is hung in homes and etched into prison cells, why it is held up on signs and games and and celebrated around the world, the reason why it is celebrated and loved so much is because it is the entire story of Scripture in one verse. It is the entire gospel Who Jesus is and what he came to do boiled down into 26 words, 131 characters. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The good news of John three sixteen for us today is that when God gave the world his son, his one and only son, he left no doubt about his love for us. When he gave his son, he left no doubt about his love for you. So let's break this down a little bit. Today we're going to talk about two just amazing truths that come from this verse. And the first one is that God loves the people of the world. Now you may have heard that so many times that it has kind of lost its luster. The shine of that has has worn off. But it is absolutely amazing when you think about it. You know, when we hear the word world, we, we think of it in very general terms. We think about it as like planet Earth, that God loves the people of planet Earth. And, and that, is, that is true. But, but the Apostle John, when he writes these words, he has a very specific group of people in mind. He has a very specific audience in mind. For John, the world means the people who did not believe in or follow God. He means the people going their own way and doing their own thing. That that yes, God loves the people who follow him and and who believe in him and who obey him. He loves Israel. He loves the church. But God loves, and and his love, it abounds so much more than just to those who love him back. When John says that God loves the world, it means that he loves people who take him for granted. He loves people who avoid him. He loves people who ignore him. God loves those who actively rebel against him. It means that God loves his enemies and those who hate him. God loves the atheists, people who don't even believe that there's any spiritual realm to this world at all. And he loves those who, who have questions. And wanting to learn more God loves Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists God loves the person who is caught up in their addiction and feel like they've lost all hope he loves liars and thieves and those who have been lied to and stolen from God loves people who have made choices that sometimes keep them up at night filled with regret and shame and for God to love the world means that he loves everyone. He loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. And, and how did God show us this love? That's the second amazing truth. Not only does God love the world, but he, he shows us his love. He expressed his love by giving us his son. That's the second amazing truth of John three sixteen. 16. And, and just as beautiful as verse 16 is, verse 17 is Is equally as beautiful. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son. He sent his son into the world to live and to move amongst those that people would question that God actually loves. Jesus came and lived and ate with them and did life with them. Jesus came to be near the ones who lived far from God, not to judge them, not to condemn them, but to bring them near, to save them, to save us, to rescue us and redeem us and restore us into relationship with the Father. so Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. But listen, at the same time, Jesus did not come to condone either. And we live in a culture that equates love with acceptance and endorsement of all of our behavior. People feel like, well, if you, if you truly love me, then you will accept everything about me. And we love them But love does not equal condoning everything. In fact, sometimes that's the exact opposite of love, and it's certainly not what it means for God to love the world. Yes, God does love those who, doesn't, who don't love him back. He loves those who rebel against him and go their own way, who disobey and even ignore him. It's his love that is giving them an opportunity to turn back to him, to, to make peace with them, and, and to actually even make a way through Jesus to come back to him. You see, there is another attribute of God that is just as great as his love, and it's one that we don't like to talk about and celebrate as much, and it's, and it's God's wrath. It's God's justifiable anger for our unjust actions against him. And for God to send Jesus to save means that there is something that we need saved from. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin, like what we have earned for those ways that that we have rebelled against him, that we have ignored him, that we have gone our own way and done our own thing, what we have earned for that is death. It's God's wrath poured out on us, but the gift of God is that he sent Jesus to bear the weight of his wrath on the cross for us. God doesn't just love us with words and good vibes that he sends out into the universe. God put his love into action. He expressed his love by giving us his son who took the punishment for our sin that we deserve so that by faith in him, God's wrath is satisfied and we can be forgiven. We can't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But God did it anyway because he loves the world, because he loves you. I I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter five, verse six through eight. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, and and that word, it means when we were unable to do anything to save ourselves, when we were unable to do anything to, to be forgiven or to be good enough to be loved by God, Christ died for us, the ungodly. And very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still far from him, God showed us his love by sending Jesus to die for us. And so what is our response to this kind of love. We could talk about it all day, but a couple of things as we wrap up. First, I think that John 3.16 gives us a model for our mission. gives us a model for our mission, how we are to live and interact with the world around us. God's love for us informs and, and, and inspires how we are to love others. It gives us new eyes through which we can see people Every person who come, we, that we come in contact with is someone who is deeply loved by the Father. Their life has dignity and value and worth every single person. It doesn't matter who they are, where are they from, what they believe, what they've done. They are loved by the Father who deeply loves us and wants them to find grace through his Son. And as the ambassadors of that love, We represent that. We reflect it to the world around us. We don't walk around condemning the world, condemning the people who live in it. We don't walk around condemning people who don't believe what we believe or act how we act. We don't condemn the politicians that we disagree with. We love them, We pray for them. We have compassion for them the way that God has had compassion for us. We let our lives and our love point people to Jesus who can save them. We allow John 3:16 to be a model for how we live in this world around us. And that's true personally. But I think it's also true for us as, as a church. John three sixteen is a model for our mission too. God's love is a sending love. It, it always has been. I mean, from the very beginning, God's love has sent people out into the world to represent him, to point people to him. And God's love is a sending love. And he showed radical generosity in sending his son to save the world, which inspires us then to turn and be a sending church. A church that unleashes people out into the world with the love of Jesus to make an eternal difference in their lives. And and it's this mission that led us several years ago to launch our West Campus. Man, and I've I've been able, before I was even on staff at Sherwood Oaks, I was able to have kind of an outside view of that incredible birth of a new campus, And how Sherwood Oaks sent families from this congregation to go and to plant a mission outpost on the west side of Bloomington. And to now see all these years later how God is moving and pouring out his spirit and people are coming to know Jesus. And and I'm so excited about their next steps as a church. As they move from being a campus of Sherwood Oaks to being their own independent self-governing church. To be a church that continues to reach unreached people for Jesus. As we talk about their future, it's been fun to even think about their past and how they got started. And uh, let's check out some of those stories in this video.
1: We had heard that Sherwood Oaks was doing a startup of a new congregation on the West Side. We were very interested in what was going on. We were loved the idea of a new church.
0: It's probably one of the most exciting moves we've ever made.
1: In the very beginning, we had to set up all of the children's areas every Sunday morning, not just the not just the chairs outside that everyone thinks of, but all the blue dividers had to be set up. And so wherever there was a need, and there were a lot of them, and they just kind of came up. So we just would pick up and go wherever the need was.
0: We show up early, about three and a half, three hours earlier than the service, we get everything set out and the coffee made. It's really benefited us more than what we've given to the community. I think one of the most exciting thing is taking a fresh start where you don't have a legacy of this is the way we've always done it. To have the freedom to say, what if, and somebody says, why don't we try? And that is the environment and that is the culture at West. It is very
1: community-based. It's very casual, it is very approachable.
0: It feels like home and everybody's family. And one of the models out on the west side is come as you are. You know, bring your brokenness with you.
1: Come on in. You're welcome no matter who you are. I sense God is there. I sense it in the friendliness of the people. No matter what challenges we faced, He has always provided a way. He has never failed one single time. It's a family. Every week, We've noticed so many more people coming and, and bringing their family, uh, little kids in the classroom really stirs our heart. I hate to admit it, but when it first started, I thought, this is just not going to grow. I take this as a personal message also from God that He is in charge. He does have a plan, and it just blows me away to see how the church community Westside had come together and I've just met the most amazing people, I've made lifelong friends, and I've definitely grown spiritually. So I want that opportunity for others. I wanna see that Westside Community Church be that starting point and focal point for others who haven't started their walk with Jesus and to continue to support and encourage and grow those who have. I like to think about looking to the future of the Westside Community Church and dreaming about what could happen right there in the middle of a couple of schools and all of those families. I think that's so exciting. I'm very excited about the location. We see at Cornfield, God knows the names of the people that are going to come to know him through this property. He has a plan and that gives me a tremendous amount of confidence in what he's going to do in the future.
0: Scott for that. Awesome. I know there are some mixed feelings about West, about our commitment to it. There are some people we celebrate it and we applaud and we clap and that is great. And there are some people going, what in the world are we doing? I get it. Can I just open up a little bit and share one of my ministry philosophies with you? My goal is not to build the kingdom of Sherwood Oaks. It's not about that. It's about building God's kingdom. And man, we will do whatever it takes to build God's kingdom. Even if it means we're sending 500 people off with our blessing and our support. In the last couple of years, last couple of years, Sherwood Oaks has made the, the outreach magazines list of 100 fastest growing churches. You know, a lot of that has happened at our West Campus. We're not going to make that list next year. Couldn't care less because we are building the kingdom of God. We, we, are, we are going where we feel led. We are doing what he is calling us to do. And we are sending Westside Community Church out, knowing the sacrifice that it is. They are part of our family. They have been for years. We love them, but we are sending them out in response to God's love. That is a sending love because we want more people to know Jesus and we want to bless their ministry as they go. We, we don't wanna send them off in our love to just be in words and in good vibes. We want to follow the Father's example and put our love into action. We want God's radical generosity of sending Jesus to inspire and inform how we love the west side of Bloomington, which is why next month we are unashamedly asking the entire Sherwood Oaks family on May 22nd to join us in giving generously to their Go campaign. And our elders have set aside funds from our reserves as a church and and pledged to match every dollar that comes from Sherwood Oaks families up to $400,000. We believe in their mission and in their ministry that much. God graciously and generously poured his love out for us through Jesus. And we want to be inspired and informed by his acts of love and how we love others. So we invite you to prayerfully consider how you might give to this campaign. And if you have any questions, if you have any concerns about the Go campaign, anything that's happening with Westside Community Church, some of our elders will be in the fireside room after service today and next Sunday to, to talk through any of those with you. So how do we respond to God's love? There are so many ways. The most important way is by believing in him, believing that God loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, believing that he sent his son into this world for you and that by his life, death and resurrection, we can find new life and a fresh start. The promise of John three sixteen is that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. And this promise isn't just about securing our ticket to heaven so that we can just kind of coast on a cruise ship until we get there. No, it is about living and experiencing eternity starting right now, finding that eternal abundant life that Jesus can give us. You see, eternal life in this verse is not just a reference to quantity of life. It is a reference to the quality of life. Eternal life in Scripture is deeply rooted in a relationship with the Father. It is a life that is defined by eternal heavenly attributes like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. The beauty of the gospel is that God loves you as you are, but he loves you way too much just to let you stay there. When you believe in Jesus and you surrender your life to him, the spirit of God fills you and begins to shape you more and more and more into the image of Christ. He leads you to eternal and abundant life that starts now. Not a life that's free of pain. Not a life that is easygoing where you get everything you want, but the abundant life of his peace and his presence with you no matter where you go. God loves you and wants you to find this eternal life. If you're here today and you are ready to step into that, we would love to help you make that decision. I want not you stand with me and I'll close this off with a word of prayer.